and giving. And so uh, our scripture reading uh, before we get started here is going to be from Matthew chapter 6, uh, Matthew 6, 25 through 34. All right, so if, you're, uh, if you've got your Bibles, your Bible apps, or your church apps, uh, it is in your sermon notes for today. Matthew 6, 25 through 34. And here is what it says. Uh, and this is Jesus speaking here. He says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Uh, so the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, I've come to really love this phrase. Uh, now, I did a little bit of research this week because I'm, I'm an origins person. I like to know where stuff comes from. Uh, why do we say these things? So this phrase was originally, uh, as you might guess, was a commercial uh, advertising in the 1920s for the phonograph. <laughs> the phonograph is the gift that keeps on giving, the original gift that keeps on giving. Uh, now, how true that is, I'll let you be the judge. Uh, but... Uh, that was the commercial. And for a number of years, that's been kind of the motto, right? The gift that keeps on giving. It's a gift you give one time, and it's a gift for forever. It just keeps giving. Now, uh, in recent years, I've also heard this phrase used uh, sarcastically, right? Like, oh, that's a gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> but it's of interest to us this month because it captures the basic idea of how generosity works in Scripture. Generosity is a gift that keeps on giving. And now, I think that, that generosity and giving scripturally is a three-step process, all right? And so, I've got, <coughs> I've got my whiteboard so that I can draw it for you. Okay. So, our three-step process is pretty simple. It starts what you might not know, which is what it starts with, which is today. Oh, this marker doesn't have a tip on it. Oh, what? Oh, are they? Okay. Okay, they work. Okay, got it. Okay. So, the process starts with God. Because, of course it does. Why would it start with us, right? God is the initiator of most things in our lives. He's the one who gets us started on this path. And so, God gives first, all right? And that's, that's where we start this morning. We're going to focus heavily on God being the giver. Uh, David, 
uh, in the Old Testament speaks a lot about God as the giver. And in fact, in First Chronicles, they're, they're preparing gifts to build the, uh, God's temple. David's dream is to build the temple. And David, who is massively wealthy, I mean, he's the king, right? David gives a gift uh, that in modern-day translation would equate to over $200 billion to construct this temple. And it's one of David's personal gifts to make the temple built. But then he says in 1 Chronicles 29, 14, he says this, Who am I and what is my people that we should be able to offer willingly? For all things come from you, and of your own have we, and of your own have we given you. Right? So David, who's massively wealthy and who gives this giant gift, he says, What is this gift compared to everything God has already? <laughs> what is this gift compared to what God has given me? In fact, he says here, he says, I'm giving you a gift from something you gave me. I'm just giving it back to you. <laughs> right? God gives first, right? He gives to us first. But then there's us right? I'll put you, okay? So God gives to you our finances, our health, our strength, our weaknesses. God has given us so much. God gives to us. And then God expects us to give back. Okay? So God gives to us, and then he expects that a little bit of this is going to come back, that we're going to give with our generosity. 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and 7 says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. All right, so God gives abundantly to us, and then we, from that, we give back to God, not just directly in, the, in our offerings, on our tithes on Sunday mornings, but we give back to God in the way that we are generous with other people. Right? Jesus says to his disciples, whatever you have done for the least of these, you have done for me. Right? So the way that we take care of the people around us is also our way of giving. Right? So God gives, and then you give, and then the final step, which is the way more fun step than all the other ones, God blesses. God multiplies everything that we give to make it even more effective. <laughs> now, a lot of times what happens is we end up, we end up being blessed by our own giving because 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8, right? We just talked about being a cheerful giver. In the next verse, it finishes by saying this, God is able to bless you abundantly. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So, so this is our little three-step process, right? God gives out of his great abundance. He gives it to us. And then when we get it, we give it back because, let's be honest, we're not nearly as good at investing it as God is. We can't multiply it in the same way that God can because we are not God. And so we, we hand some of it back and we go, all right, God, what can you do with this? And God says, just watch. <laughs> so I'm keeping the process very simple, three steps. God gives, you give, God blesses. Now, that's a very simplistic, simplistic way to do it, but that's going to suffice for us for this series. God gives, you give, 
God blesses. So for the next three weeks, we're going to zoom in on each of those components. All right? This morning, we're going to look at step one, which is that God gives. God gives. Now, we speak pretty often about God, the creator of the world. It's a hot-button topic in a lot of Christian circles of, you know, how was the world created and whether it was seven literal days or seven figurative days and, you know, it, it, is it just a story? There's all these debates, right? But we talk about creation all the time. We know the account. In Genesis, God speaks the world into existence over seven days. But there's a couple of roles of God that come out of his role as creator that we don't spend as much time on. And those are the two roles I want to focus on today because to have a proper view of our finances in the kingdom of God, we have to know these two roles of God. It's why we start this morning with a simple truth that, that God gives first, right? The giving begins with God because it does. But what does God's generosity look like? I think it manifests in these two different roles of God. God the sustainer and God the investor. Okay, so those are the two, two roles of God we're going to look at this morning. The first, God the sustainer. See, when we, we say that God created the world, but there are some who believe that God created the world and then just kind of left it. Right, so it's like, you imagine this as a parent, right? You, uh, especially as a mother, you give birth to your child and then you're like, all right, good luck. <laughs> good luck. And that's kind of the view that some people take with the world is, that, well, God created it, but he doesn't, he just kind of lets it go now. The world will figure it out. But that's not what we believe. We believe that God didn't just create the world. We believe that he is still at work in it, that God is actively sustaining the world. He's working to ensure that, that the kingdom ending that he desires comes to be. Just like most parents who don't leave their three-hour-old three baby at the hospital, <laughs> right? You nurture your children. You raise them up. And, it's, and at some point, as, as parents, we get the privilege. Our children grow up, and they, they go out on their own, and they do their thing, and you're like, Okay, we did it. Now, unfortunately for us, uh, I should say fortunately for us, God does not do that. <laughs> we never get to reach a point where we don't need God, where we don't need help. I wish I could, right? Because every like, independent bone in my body wishes that there was a point where I'm like, I'm going to get this figured out, and I'm not going to be a pain in God's butt. But then I look at my life, and the trajectory has gone so far, I'm like, that's never going to happen. <laughs> That's never going to happen. I'm always going to need some help. <laughs> and so we believe that God is a sustainer. He doesn't just bring us into being. He helps us continue to be. He helps us to continue to grow and to move forward. Uh, in Acts 17, uh, Paul, is, uh, Paul is speaking in a very big public place. They ask him to, to share. And he sees uh, on the... Uh, in this area, he sees that there's a, a monument, a plaque, and it says it's, a, it's, in honor of, uh, <coughs> it's in honor of a God that they don't even know his name, right? Just, it's a God, that's that God over there somewhere. And so Paul is trying to, like, show them, like, hey, look, there is a God that you should be worshiping, and he does have names, all right? And so he says this in Acts 17, uh, verses 24 to 28, he says, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth, and does not live in temples 
built by human hands. And he's not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Right? He himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. In him we live and move and have our being. These are ongoing phrases. Right? These are not one-time events. It wasn't that God created us and then we sustain ourselves. He says, God is the only reason we still make it right now. God, he says, has been sustaining people since the beginning of creation. And he's still doing it. And this is the idea, this is the argument that Jesus is using in Matthew 6 that we read this morning. When he tells us not to worry about our lives, what we'll eat or drink or, or what we're going to wear, right? He's trying to make the point that God has sustained the world that we live in, and yet we continue to worry about our money, right? Because, because when we worry about things like what am I going to eat or what am I going to wear or what am I going to drink, really what we're worried about is our money, because it takes money to have those things. And Jesus is, is trying to get across to his disciples. He's like, why are you worried about these things? Don't you know that God is the God of limitless resources, right? He says he takes care of the birds in the air. He says they don't reap or sow or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. He says, in essence, they don't even earn it. They don't earn it, and yet they survive. God takes care of them. And he says, are you not much more valuable than they? He says, God is the sustainer, so why are you so worried? <laughs> right, and if we're honest, were we worried and worked up about our finances because we forget that God is the sustainer. We feel when we, have, when we have pretty steady jobs and life is going pretty good, we feel like we are our own sustainers. I got this. And yet God, throughout Scripture, again and again, is seen as a sustainer of life. The very reason that any of us has life to begin with and the very reason we still have life today. But when it comes to God's resources, he's not just a sustainer. I believe that God is an investor with his resources. See, when Jesus describes the kingdom of God in Matthew 25, he uses a parable. And it's a parable you've probably heard because I've just preached on it sometime last year. Right In Matthew 25, he describes the kingdom, and he says that God is a master of the house, the owner of the property, and he hands out five talents to one of his servants He's before he goes on a trip, and he hands two to another, and he hands one to another one, and he has this expectation that when he comes back, they'll have multiplied. And the first two guys did, but the third one dug a hole, and he hid it, and he got in trouble. <laughs> okay, that's the, the real abbreviated version. See, the master, yes, the master sustained his servants because he paid them wages, right? He sustains his, his household, but he also invested in his household. 
Because when he left, there was no obligation that he had to leave these guys all this money. Because <laughs> a talent is a lot of money. And one guy got five. See, he purposefully gives to his people and expects something to be done with it. <laughs> something that will serve his purposes, his kingdom, his household. So it's not just that God sustains us. God actually invests in us. God invests in his people. And it's not just you and I. This has been going on for years, right? In, in the Gospels, we get, uh, we get the story of Jesus' life. And for three years, Jesus invested everything he had in 12 guys. Everything he had, he, he threw it at these 12 guys. And it's why in Matthew 28, he can then turn and say, go therefore and make disciples. Why? How can he expect that? Well, because he gave it to them in the first place. He says, I've given you the ability to do this. I've given you what you need to be successful. He says in Matthew 7, if you, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask? And in Genesis 12, the entire world, God says, will be blessed because Abraham is blessed. He gives to Abraham so that the entire world would be blessed. And in Genesis chapter 2, all the way back, it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Even directly after creation, God invests in his people. He's been investing in people for a long time. He invests his kingdom, his plans, his resources into you and I. He's taken some of that vast and infinite wealth, and he's given some to us. Now, our strength and our knowledge and our abilities, the things that earn us our income, they're all a blessing from the Lord. It's all a gift not just for our sustaining, but also for our blessing. So what do we do with it? If God is, if, if everything we have, including our finances and, and the means that we have to make finances, are, belong to God originally and he's given them to us to take care of, what do we do with them? Because in Luke 16, it says that whoever can be trusted with very little can be trusted with much, and whoever is dishonest with very little will be dishonest with much. So how, how do I be trustworthy with what God has given me? What do we do? Well, the first thing is this. <clears throat> this morning we've talked about God as sustainer and investor. So what we have to start with is the right perspective. Because I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but how we get our money changes how we see our money and how we use our money. Okay, let me say that again, and then I'll give you an example. How we get our money changes how we see our money and how we use it. Okay, and here's what I mean by that. If you work 40 hours next week and you get a paycheck at the end of the week, right, you have certain things you're going to use your paycheck on. Okay. For a lot of you, if you're like me, that paycheck goes to paying off your bills, <laughs> right? Bills, bills, bills. They're the worst. 
but we work hard so that we can pay our bills, right? So let's, let's say, let's say we've worked our 40 hours and, uh, and we get a paycheck at the end of the week and we pay our bills and we do all these responsible adulty things with them, right? But then, then on Friday night, then on Friday night you check the mail and somebody has gifted you the same amount of money you just worked all week to make. Now, I don't know about you, but mentally in my head, I see that money differently. I see it differently because uh, I didn't earn it. I wasn't counting on it. So the way that I spend that money is probably going to look a lot different than the way I spent the money that I spent 40 hours earning. See, how we, how we get our money changes how we see it and how we use it. So if we see our money as, our, as the paycheck money, right? Like, I've earned this, I'm going to do stuff with it. Then, then giving it away, being generous, makes no sense whatsoever. None at all. Because it means I just worked hard so that somebody else can benefit. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense by a worldly economy. But if we see the, the money we earn, the money, our income, our finances, if we see them as a gift from God, as an investment from God in us, it changes what we do with our money. Because, because for lack of a better term this morning, you and I are the Edward Jones investors in the kingdom of God. We're the ones that God has given his money to and said, let's see what you can do with it. That means that we view our money differently because it's not ours. We've been entrusted with God's resources, meaning that we're supposed to use those resources by his guidelines and his desires, right? In the, in the law world, there's a very important phrase called donor intent. It means that when somebody donates to a charity or a foundation with a specific purpose in mind for that money, that charity or foundation is legally obligated to use the funds for that purpose, so if what we have is our own, we can use it for our own purposes because it's ours. But today we just established that what we have comes from a sustainer, from an investor. So what are his purposes? What does he intend us to do with what he's given us? We can agree that since he's the sustainer, obviously some of what he's given us is to sustain us. <laughs> he gives to us so that we have food to eat and something to drink, and something to wear, right? The things that Jesus told us, don't worry about it because God's got it covered. But he also has this, this multiplying in mind, right? Most people, when you're investing money somewhere, have multiplication in mind. So what do we do when someone gives us money? What do we do when the Lord gives us from his resources? Honestly, I was reminded this week, um, two years ago, uh, Evelyn, uh, Evelyn started kindergarten and, <laughs> and uh, was completely thrilled when the first book fair came around. Uh, now, I don't know if you remember being a kid, getting to go to the book fair, uh, but the book fair was like the highlight. It was like, yes, yes. And we love that our kids read. And so we decided, like, all right, Evelyn, we will give you $20 to go to the book fair and buy whatever you want. 
all right? Go buy some books, because she loves to read. So we gave her $20, and we said, go buy some books. She had pointed some out in the little catalog and that she wanted. And we're like, okay, cool. So she made her little list. Uh, she had written a list down of the books she wanted. And so she goes to the book fair, and she comes home, and she's very excited to show us what she got. And she pulls out, I don't even remember what it was now. It was like pencils and a bookmark and uh, what else was it? A coin purse, yep. And so we said, we said, Evelyn, you had all these lists of books. Where, where are all the books you wanted to get? And she says, oh, she got one. She did. She came with one book. And so I said, where are all the books you wanted to get? And she says, Dad, I got distracted. <laughs> Some of us this morning, <laughs> we've been distracted in our financial departments. We have forgotten the purpose. We've forgotten where our money comes from and what it's supposed to be used for. We've gotten distracted in our finances. So I want to remind you this week where your blessings come from. Who sustains you like the birds and the flowers? Who invests their resources into you? Who entrusts you with a little and with a lot? I want to remind you this morning of the Lord's generosity in your finances this week. Of his sustaining and investing in your life. And as we go on over these next couple of weeks, I'm going to help you piece together what it looks like to live out of, that, out of that knowledge. But it starts with knowing that God gives first, that he gives generously without regard, without reserve. God gives to you and I. Let me pray. Lord, we're so grateful that you do give because we can't imagine what this world would look like uh, if you had just created it and then left us to our own devices. God, things look rough sometimes when we look around, and that's even with you here working against these powers of darkness. And so, Lord, we're thankful that you sustain us. And we're thankful, too, that you would invest in us. That you would give us not just enough, but that you give us even more so that we might bless someone else, so that we would bless your kingdom. So, Lord, we pray over our finances this week. I pray that as we, as we look at our accounts and as we, as we spend money, God, we remember that you've given it to us, that you've entrusted it to us, and that we would do some good kingdom things with it. So, God, use us this week. Use our finances, our giving, our generosity. Use it, Lord, for your work. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us?